1: The tennis world is down under for the first major of 2022. And despite some notable absences, a collection of stars have aligned in Melbourne where history will be made over the next two weeks. We'll discuss the drama behind Novak Djokovic and how our experts feel this was handled. The world's top teenager has emerged from Spain. And we focus on which Americans are ready to make a move in Melbourne. All those stories plus more over the next two hours on this Australian Open Edition of Tennis Channel Live, presented by GEICO. Just a couple hours from the start of the Aussie Open, welcome to TC Live presented by Geico as we gear up for the first major of the season. Australia is an island and for the past two weeks, both Novak Djokovic and the tournament have been stranded. The happy slam turned into the haphazard slam with the most decorated champion now deported and a draw much delayed. But there is clarity as we now turn our focus to tennis. Taking a look at the featured matches on day one on Rod Laver. Maria Sakri, a top ten seed here at a major for the first time. Naomi Osaka looking for her third title in Melbourne. Rafa Nadal, tough first rounder against the American Marcos Giron. We've got the world number one Ash Barty. Says she'll give it her best crack to end an Aussie drought at home. Alexander Zverev opening up against a fellow German as we welcome up the studio to you come on in tc live to our pregame show every day getting you set for the action down under steve weisman couple of australian open champions and hall of famers we've got martina navratilova we've got lindsey davenport and from 60 minutes and sports illustrated we've got the great john wertheim it's great to be with all of you and and how about the fact that we're debuting a new piece of furniture we've got a couch <laughs> going on here
2: Reviews are mixed. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. in Two hours.
3: What are are we calling this? Like a half moon?
4: The slouch couch. The slouch couch. 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 We (laughs) may need some pillows. Yeah, I think I need a little support on my bag here. But it's all good. It's nice. First time going
1: four wide in the new studio as well. All right. It's good stuff. We're we're spaced out, but but very nice. nice. Uh, That's true. Uh, Of course, the big story heading into the Australian Open that's taken all the headlines: Novak Djokovic. And this is the headline in the Sydney Morning Herald today: Game, set, and vax. Let's get you caught up on everything that's gone on with the world number one and would-be top seed, the nine-time Australian Open champion. He was into Australia with an exemption. He is not vaccinated, as he said. Then he was detained at the airport, had visa issues. His visa was reinstated as he appealed to a court. He was practicing out on Rod Laver once again. That visa got revoked. And then he lost his ultimate appeal and is now out of Australia, deported by the government after a back-and-forth legal battle. It's been an international story. Where where do you stand on all this, Martina?
4: Backs on, backs off. That's the question. Uh, You know, Novak is on a plane as we speak back to Europe. It's just so unfortunate that we're talking about this rather than tennis. So now that we have clarity, as you said, now we can talk about tennis, but... Bottom line, it goes back to... There were so many mistakes made on so many different parts, many unforced errors, but the biggest one started all by Novak. Mm-hmm.
3: What do they say in Australia? No no one covered themselves in glory. Um, a lot of blame to go around here. This was not the kind of pre-tournament publicity that... Uh, people wanted no matter how much attention this got internationally I, I mean you know there, there are a million angles here one thing i'm really struck on two things one he's going for the 21st major yeah. 10th australian open this should have been and could have been an absolute historic occasion also remember u.s open going for the grand slam doesn't quite get there but really wins over the crowd we feel like we've moved to a new phase of djokovic and then it seems like a lot of goodwill he just gave back
2: yeah i mean we've talked about the australian open the last I don't know, 10, 12 years about just what an amazing happy slam. We've had some amazing finals. We had Serena win over her sister Venus while being pregnant. We had Roger and Rafa's five set final. We've had some of the most historic matches. And the last two years have been absolute, utter chaos. From players last year getting off a plane, being told, mm-hmm. Oh, you can't leave your room now for 14 or 15 days and yeah. having no clue, to this year our possibly our greatest champion being detained at the airport for eight hours, then being sent to a detention, jail-like hotel. Like, it has been a mess. And there have been, as Martina said, so many mistakes on every level, from Novak himself filling out paperwork incorrectly, from exposing others if he was positive with COVID, to also TA and the government of Australia for allowing all these mistakes to happen. It's been sickening to watch. Um, and, yeah, we're going forward with 14 days of tennis right, now. Oh, t- <laughs> let's just focus on that.
1: Yeah. Now, a bad look all around. We are going to dedicate a full segment to the Djokovic debacle coming up 525 Eastern. So we will delve into it even more. But how about this? there is going to be a documentary series that actually this whole Djokovic situation is going to be a part of a new Netflix documentary series following the men's and women's pro tennis players around the world it's like
3: the current f1 series drive to survive we've been talking why don't we have this for tennis John now we do not only like drives to survive but the same producers box to box note the middle panel too this is another bit of collaboration between the tours which is great to see I mean look you know what they say about, about laws uh, laws and sausage. You don't want to see them being made. Same <laughs> at some level goes for documentaries as well. So what players are going to participate, which are, and their management agencies. I mean, there's a lot here. But, boy, if uh, last week proved anything, it was that this, this sport can provide content. So uh, it's a good, good move. We'll look forward to seeing it.
1: It brought a lot of new fans to F1. I mean, that that series. So if we can get more fans into tennis and show the personalities, because a lot of the individual sport, we don't get to see the personalities. Well, that's the
4: thing. I think with the social media, you see a lot more of the personality of the player directly on their social media, as well as after matches. They do interviews on court. We never had a chance to do that. We only talked to after you win a tournament or the finalist, So there is a lot more interaction, so that's great. But the more you can bring the, the inside stories, the better.
2: Yeah, tennis has always been a pretty closed-off sport, being an individual sport and players keeping it pretty tight with their teams. Then all of a sudden they see another sport and have success with a documentary. We also had Naomi Osaka do one just for herself with Netflix as well. So I think players are becoming more open to showing themselves and revealing a little bit more about themselves to the public But ultimately, the success will depend on how much are these players participating, how much are they opening up, and and how many of the players are actually participating.
1: I I hope they all do. I I cannot wait for this. I'll be watching it right away, just like I did King Richard. First day it came out, got to watch that thing. All right, a lot to get to on TC Live today as we are leading you up to first ball action at the Australian Open. We are breaking down all the big matches on day one, including Paula Bedosa and Alexander Zverev. How about this? We go to Spain to tell the story of 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz. And, of course, the always entertaining DraftKings match previews. Plus, while Djokovic has grabbed all the headlines for being in court, there's some big storylines on court. We're talking Ash Barty, Raf Nadal, Naomi Osaka, and Emma Raducanu when we come back.
3: TC Live at the Australian
0: Open is presented by... GEICO. Switch today and see all the ways you could save.
1: Back on TC Live, presented by GEICO, taking a look at our lineup. We are with you two hours every single day of the tournament, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern, leading up to live tennis on ESPN at 7 Eastern, and then encore coverage right back here on Tennis Channel at 7 a.m. Eastern. Time to get to some of the big stories on the court. Just one member of the Big Three is in Melbourne. His name is Raf Nadal, and he can also get that record 21st major title. He is now the world number six, coming off of his 89th career title, and is going for number two at the Australian Open.
5: You never know. Uh, gonna arrive a day that uh, the comeback will be impossible, no? But uh, I, I just want to try. Again, no, and uh, I want to, to give my best. I want to give myself a chance to keep enjoying this beautiful sport and to keep fighting for the things that I have been fighting for for the last uh, 16
1: years. No? Uh, after winning that warm-up event that we discussed, Martina, Rafa said he still doesn't feel like a genuine contender here. What do you make of his chances to win? <laughs> He's
4: the <laughs> ultimate sandbagger. <laughs> He's downplayed his chances to win at Roan Garros. So I don't think that... With a big grain of salt. Uh, No, Rafa definitely is is in with a chance. Now the draw has opened up for him with with Novak out, and uh, he definitely is a contender. Things have to fall into place for him. He needs to stay fresh, but the foot seems to be okay. When he is 100% physically, he's a contender on any surface.
3: Bag meets sand. (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, he's he's won one title, as you say, but... His back went out in the final against Stan Pabrinka. That match against Roger Federer, of course, in 2017. He was up a break in the fifth set. The match in 2012 against Novak could have got... He could very easily have four titles here. I don't quite know what shape he's in. I mean, he... Won a tournament, didn't have to play a player in the top 75. Not best of five, obviously. But, yeah, is a guy with 20 majors a contender? I would say so. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we got to remember, there was a chance that Rafa wasn't even going to come. Not only the foot tested positive for COVID in late December. So everyone was so thrilled when he got off the plate and showed that picture of himself on Rod Laver Arena. But I think it's probably a big ask at this tournament. The courts are playing very fast. He's played seven tournaments each of the last two years. It's great to see him back out there healthy. But three out of five sets on a hard court on his body, I, I just don't know. I mean, I want to see him get to 21. Um, I think it's so much good could come out of it if Rafa has a great tournament and potentially wins here. But let's see physically how he holds up. How about
1: 19 years in a row with a title? Yeah. It's that consistency and dominance is incredible for Nadal. On the women's side, Ash Barty is the world number one. Naomi Osaka, she's the defending champion. In fact, these two could meet in the fourth round what a matchup that would be here's what Ash Party had to say looking for her first title at her home slam
6: yeah I'm, I'm excited to be back home in Australia be so excited to be back playing and obviously it was really nice to, to get a few matches in Adelaide uh last week and, and kind of roll on some momentum and, and know that I'm coming in here playing well and, and
4: kind of excited to start and just chomping in a bit to get to get after it
1: Lindsay, it's been 44 years since an Australian woman has won their home major. Ash Barty, top seed for the third straight year. Does she raise the trophy this year?
2: You know, we'll see. She... Has struggled to play her best tennis down under. I mean, she gives this impression that she can handle it pretty well. But two years in a row, a brutal loss to Kennan. She was a big favorite in that semifinal on a very hot day. Then last year, Mahova up a set and a break. So I, I think she wants this. She really wanted Wimbledon, of course. But this is pretty, pretty close and pretty high up there. Can she manage the expectations? I really liked her chances more when she won Adelaide and pulled out of Sydney. So she got to regroup a little bit. Osaka played three matches, withdrew with the ab, and her ranking went down to 13. And everybody then knew there was a chance that she could be put somewhere. Unfortunately for us, our two biggest favorites are potentially going to meet in the round of 16.
3: These are the probably two best players of the last five years meeting in the round of 16. Interesting. But I, I think you raise a really good point, which is Barty won a tournament. Not a lot of ring rust. I mean, she hadn't played since the U.S. Open, came back, looked good. But the fact that she took that week off, which she hasn't historically done, you know, this is... Big time in Australia. She's going to get a lot of pressure. Here's, here's Naomi also didn't have a lot of ring rust here. But I think that Barty took that week off, I think is almost as significant as the fact that she had a good win.
4: Well, she needed matches. But then if she played that week, now she's playing four weeks in a row. And with the fourth week being the most important, she'll be the most tired. So yeah. that was a perfect preparation for her. I think she signed up in case she loses early in the week before but it worked out perfectly for her. And uh, she's she's as sharp as, as as ever. I think she'll, you know, tennis-wise, maybe uh, it's better to win the Wimbledon than the Australian Open, but emotionally, <laughs> the Australian <laughs> Open is the biggest one for her, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if she can hold up. Yeah. It's too bad they have to play each other if they get there yeah. round of 16.
1: Oh, Osaka picked up three wins before withdrawing in the semifinals, her tune-up event. This is the fourth time she's defending a major title. She hasn't done it yet. What are your expectations for her?
2: That's the question mark with Naomi. I mean, everything that we've heard from her and seen from her is much more positive and excitement about playing. Love for her that these courts are playing so fast with her game. If she's on her power and her ability to hit through the court definitely puts her opponents on their back feet. We just have to see how she competes, maybe in a big match when it's really close. How is she feeling? Where's her tennis at? She hasn't played tons. And all of a sudden you throw in Barty. If you get the crowd going against her and and Barty's variety, How does Osaka hold up? She's pretty good on a hard court major. She gets that extra day to recover physically and emotionally. It's going to be... I hope they do play. I'm just sad it's going to be in the round of 16.
3: Well, it's fine. We've been talking so much about her emotional state over the last nine months. What do we make of the fact that, you know, got, got three matches, got three wins, looked pretty good for someone that hadn't played since the U.S. Open, and then... Yeah, I can't remember quite how she put it in social media, but basically, body ain't cooperating. Hmm. Do we think that is precautionary, or does that worry us that someone who's been out so long since last week... I mean, here she is. This is a nice match against Petkovich. A veteran's going to make her hit a lot of balls not reasonable I mean, it's completely reasonable
4: that she would pull-, pull up and have some physical tweaks after this but does that make us nervous guys well yeah because matches is what what stresses the body the most you know, you can be the best shape of your life but the matches you always stretch a little bit more for the shots and and the emotional energy also makes the body you know, recover so well so you have to uh, you have to have the matches to get the confidence more so for the body rather than the mind
2: yeah she did this last year leading into the australian open she did it the year she won the u.s open she withdrew from the final I- I have the Western and Southern Open a couple of years ago, I think that she goes, when she's feeling okay with her tennis, she doesn't want to risk anything physically. So I I don't think it's that big a deal for her, but certainly for someone who hasn't been playing much tennis, you you never like to see them exit physically.
4: I I think Osaka's a little bit like Serena. She's got that big game and she doesn't need that many matches as long as she stays healthy to play well and to get that confidence. so And the faster court, that will help her. At the same time, Barty, that slice is going to stay pretty low on this on this fast court.
1: I think Osaka got all she needed yeah. in those three matches yeah, yeah. to get ready for the Australian Open. She also has been quite revealing, John, in her press conferences. That's obviously what happened at Roland Garros last year. Said she didn't want to do them and then took herself out of the tournament. How do you see this whole process playing out?
3: It's funny. I got a text from an Australian uh, journalist. They said, you would never have known that this was a- an ordeal in the spring. And summer. She's been great. She's been candid. She's been fun. I mean, she said, look, I hope I don't cry in a press conference. And obviously, I mean, you know, this, this is something that gives her some discomfort. We should respect that. But she's been great. And you, you read the transcripts. She's candid. Yeah. This is, uh, you, you would never have known that this was such a cause celeb in, in tennis over the last nine months.
1: That was one of her two goals for the year. Don't cry in a press conference again. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of, you know, I I feel like she's at a good place right now. Took some time off, and and she's ready to go. Meantime, 19-year-old Emma Raducanu, she is the last woman to win a major. She came out of nowhere to win the U.S. Open. In fact, the last time she played in Australia, she was playing the Australian Juniors and lost in the first round. So how does she feel now heading into this event with a big target on her back?
6: For me, I think it's going to be a very cool experience to play Here in the main draw for the first time I I played a few years ago in the juniors and uh, coming back here playing in the main draw so soon I feel quite proud of this achievement looking forward to getting out there.
1: So, listen, she wins the U.S. Open as a qualifier, makes history, didn't drop a single set. Since then, Lindsay, two and four, was just beaten love and one less than a week ago. What level do you think we're going to see from Emma Raducanu?
2: There's so many questions surrounding her and how to handle this a complete change of life, complete change of where you are on the radar of... Of people's perception. She also tested positive for COVID and didn't get to practice for a while in in late December. I I think this could end up being a tough trip for her. As you said, won one game against Rabakina. Doesn't come into this tournament with a lot of confidence, but as we were talking, who cares? She is a (laughs) U.S. Open champion. She is still young. Some players, you win that young, takes them a year or two, maybe even three to kind of readjust, and she'll still be in her early 20s trying to figure it out. She's a good player. She's got a good base of, of tennis underneath her. But I, I don't think that that success that we saw in New York, 10 matches to win, right? Yeah. Going through qualies, it, it might take a little bit more time till we see that again.
1: And, and a tough first round, Martine. I mean, she gets another U.S. Open champion, Sloane Stevens, right out the gate.
4: She's got the highest expectation and the lowest expectation at the same time. <laughs> I mean, literally, she could lose in the first round, she could win the whole tournament. The biggest spread of any player, I think, coming in, we really don't know what's going to happen as, as Lindsay said, ten matches in a row, but that's the most matches that she's won in a year. Period. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's she's such a known unknown with the, also the coaching situation being very fluid. Uh, but uh, she's got you know we have the potential, but we'll see if uh, if she can keep it up. I don't know. It's a total unknown right it, now. If
3: nothing else, I think this this underscores just how crazy that U.S. Open was. Yeah. Uh, just what an anomaly that was, as you say. Ten wins in, uh, in in barely two weeks, and then two match wins since then. Again, apart from everything else, there's COVID thrown into the mix. There are all sorts of commercial obligations. We need to all back off. This is a teenager. This is absolutely transformative. Clearly, there is game there. Is she going to win? Is she going to beat Sloane Stevens? Is she going gonna... to win? Mean, she's a defending major champion. I, I don't think she's going to back that up, but I also think – we got to play the long game here.
1: Absolutely. A teenager, she's setting her family up for life financially. Whatever she does from here is a bonus. That said, I mean, she's still great talent. We'll see what she does on the court. Uh, the coach that you mentioned, Torben belts she's got a veteran coach right now, Lindsay. What we saw against Rybakina, maybe on the court didn't show the full scheme, but... Her reaction to getting a game and her reaction after the match when she said, I, I just wasn't going to get double bagels.
2: Uh, don't you think that's what made the Women's U.S. Open final so special was just the happiness that both Emma and Layla Fernandez showed with being there. Their ability to light the crowd up. I think she knew she was not going to be ready to okay. play for best tennis in Sydney. She pulled out the week before of the, the lead-in tournament. She knew she wasn't quite ready and she played a, a player who's very good, but her personality, her attitude, is really what's charmed so many fans around the
4: world. Urban Beltz could really help her. He's been there so many times with Angelique Kerber. Also, the faster courts. She, she likes the faster court. She's done well on, on grass as well as the fast court at the US Open. It's more a matter of, of confidence. And, and and the crowd, I think they will love her. They love a newcomer. And there's a lot to like about her. So she just needs to relax and not, uh, not take too much into uh, consideration. We also talked about, about you know,
3: 30 is the new 20, and these careers get longer. You know, Petkovic, mid-30s, but pick a player. I, I think that's something that really helps players. You don't have this compressed window. Nobody's saying, oh, by age 25, it's all downhill. Take your time. That's take the equivalent of a term. gap year. Is she going to be ranked higher at the end of the year than she is now? I don't know. She's got a lot to defend in the fall. She doesn't have much to defend to them. But I just think if you can elongate this career, she's got 15 more years. I think that takes a lot of pressure off.
2: Yeah, and let her get a- – used to the change of the landscape. I mean, you have a player who then needed security to get through Heathrow Airport getting back home. She was looking out her window and saw 15 paparazzi cars outside her house in the week after. (laughs) I mean, no one has really had to go through that very rare occasion. That is going to take a little while just to get used to. She walks down the street now and she's getting photographed wherever she goes, just shopping with some friends. I mean... It is tough for a teenager to be able to handle that in any circumstance.
4: Especially being UK. I mean, she's a big fish in a small bowl tennis-wise in UK. she should be better being an American in this situation, yeah. but I think she'll be able to handle it.
1: When she's photographed, she's styling. She's got the Tiffany's yeah. deal. She's got the Dior deal.
7: Yeah.
1: L- L- looking good when, when you get those <laughs> photographs taken. Uh, we shall see how it all plays out on the court. Much more still ahead here on TC Live. We are talking Novak Djokovic. A deep dive on the Djokovic debacle down under what it means for the player and the sport as a whole. Don't go anywhere. back-to-back-to-back to back to back champ will not be able to go for four in a row after a court ruling to deport the world number one from Australia. Novak Djokovic issued this statement. I am extremely disappointed with the ruling to dismiss my application for judicial review of the decision to cancel my visa. I am uncomfortable that the focus of the past weeks has been on me, and I hope that we can all now focus on the game. I would like to wish the players, tournament officials, staff, volunteers, and fans – all the best for the tournament. Let's go inside the press room to hear some other players' reaction.
8: Australians have gone through a lot, and uh, there's no secret about that. It's They've had it very tough, and they've done a lot of work to protect themselves and their borders. Um, when you're coming in, uh, as well as every other tennis player that uh, if you wanted to come into the country, you had to be double-vaccinated. So, you know, it was up to him, his choices, his judgment. And, you know, here we are.
6: I think it's taking long. I think we all want to, you know, move on and for whatever it is, just move on and focus on, you know, the cool aspect of starting a slam. I, yeah. I think that all this could have been avoided, um, like we, <clears throat> like we've all done by getting vaccinated and doing all the things we had to do to come here in Australia, because everybody knew very clearly the the rules and and it was we just have to follow them and that's it.
5: Well, I, I tell you one thing. It's it's very clear that Novak Djokovic is a is a. Is one of the best players of the history, uh, without a doubt. Uh, but there is no one player in history that's it, that's that's more important than than an event, you know, Because the players uh, stays and then uh, goes, and then other players are coming, you know? So uh, no one, even Roger, Novak, myself, uh, Bjorn Borg, who was amazing at his times, and uh, tennis uh, keep going. And uh, Australian Open is much more important than, than any player.
1: Some players also supporting Novak Djokovic. Alize Cornet tweeting, I know too little to judge the situation. What I know is that Novak is always the first one to stand for the players, but none of us stood for him. Be strong, Novak Djokovic. American John Isner also supporting, saying, Nole always has and always will be class. He's an absolute legend in my book that has brought so much good to millions around the world. This isn't right. All right, let's discuss this even further. you got some players on one side, some players on the other. Novak Djokovic no longer in Australia. He is out. How would you characterize Novak's approach to the last couple of weeks, John?
3: Oh, man. Uh, sloppy? Uh, reckless? Careless? I mean, I just think that, look, there's, there is plenty of blame to go around. I think this whole thing was really regrettable, but I just think there was such a misread of the situation. Here is a guy whose tennis... It's so organized, it's so balanced, there is such composure, and he just makes messes of situations. And it really started in the fall, where he sort of played this cat-and-mouse game with whether he would play. Then he gets this exemption and sort of gloats, hey, everyone, I got the exemption. By the time he lands already, there's this outrage. It just seemed like such a bad read of the room. And this is, unfortunately, this is a pattern with this guy.
2: It really is. And you said it started with that social media post, where it was like it just seems like so many mistakes were made on his side. Even if you were asking for special treatment and wanted the exemption, you better be absolutely perfect on how you go about it. And then social media, then filling out the paperwork incorrectly and in getting in. All of that was just inexcusable. And you have players it, it, Muguruza said it there so well, like we all knew the rules. We wanted to come play here. And there are some pe- there are players that I guarantee you did not want to be vaccinated for whatever reason and said, you know what, I'm going to do it because I want to keep playing and I want to be able to travel the world. You can't just let certain players, one or two players in because they didn't want to do it. And that's essentially what happened. It was a messy situation all the way around from Novak's side, from Novak's camp, from Tennis Australia. For a, I don't know how he got on the plane and was right. not, and then taken away to a, detention hotel. All of this was such a mess. It was such a shame. It's definitely going to impact him. Um, It's over. The tournament goes forward. But just couldn't
4: believe all the mistakes, as John said, that were made. Well, look, we know what the rules are when we're traveling internationally. We've been making sure that you have all the paperwork just right. And that's and which is there are spectators. Uh, Novak knew what the rules were. And he also he's been kind of cavalier about this whole COVID thing from the beginning. Uh, with the Adria tour, et cetera. Not sure about getting vaccinated. Then he starts a player association when he wants to represent all the players. Well, all the players got vaccinated because that's the rule. And he knew what the rule was. And it was December 10th where you need to ask for the exemption. It was on the 16th that he asked for it when he tested positive. Again, it was just very, very sloppy. As you said, John, he normally is so methodical about his approach, but this was as sloppy as it gets. And at the end of the day, Novak, if he had just gotten vaccinated, None of this yeah. would mm-hmm. it, this would be a moot point. And the players are the ones that are taking the brunt of it. Tennis we're not talking tennis, we're talking this kind of political situation, and now the players have to talk about it in the press. Sitsipas at, at one conference, is uh, no more questions about Djokovic. You can ask me about anything yeah. you want, but not that. <laughs> so everybody has to—and and you have to be careful what you say, because you could be like a pariah if you say the wrong thing. So it's been, it's been a mess. Maybe we'll bring—at the end of the day, the, something good will come of it for the asylum seekers, as well as uh, just people getting back vaccinated more than less. And maybe we'll bring more fans to the game. We'll see.
1: You bring up a good point in the fact that the deadline was December 10th. Mm-hmm. So the question is still out there. What would have happened if you didn't test positive on right. the sixty? What would you have done? And, and no, only Novak can answer that question. That said, Tennis Australia did provide him with an opportunity to get an exemption. Yeah. So the rule was, was a little gray a at that point. So you can't put all that on Novak mm-hmm. either. That said, this deportation, Martina, comes with a three-year ban. So he may be 37 years old by the time he's allowed back into the country. This is his best major. He's won nearly half of his majors at the Australian Open. How does this affect not only his legacy, but also the the career majors record on the men's side? I think the
4: deportation happened because they gave him the visa. That wasn't his fault that he got it. So it should not be just because it wasn't good for this year doesn't mean that he should not be able to play next year. So I would be completely supporting him in being able to get into the country next year if he gets vaccinated. And he's got that same problem getting vaccinated coming into America, mm-hmm. I think. It could be the same issue. Well, that, Isn't that the question? Is the, is he going to
2: let the, yeah. him, this situation, getting vaccinated, derail him from his dream be silly, of becoming right. the all-time Grand Slam champion on the men's side? I was so surprised that this yeah. is happening because he, this was the most important thing for Novak and to get now yeah. in the States and, and okay, maybe he gets allowed to play Roland Garros or whatever, but every other country, yeah. if he is going to go after this the next few years, it's pretty clear what has to happen. I, I don't know if it's going to happen.
3: Can we just take like a step, step back here for a second? We, we have been obsessing as, as a tennis community over this goat race for what, a, a decade, yeah. 12 years now. Do you ever think it would be 20, 20, yep. 20, And one of the great variables is whether a player will be, allowed into a country, whether by his own choice, by his own volition. He'll I mean, figure. it's just—it's a crazy plot twist in terms of Djokovic, in terms of—really, in, in terms of tennis history. One thing I'm a little bit hung up on is about two months ago, we all sat here and we talked about Peng Shui and we talked about tennis coming together and taking this, this stance against authoritarian China. The, the idea that in a matter of weeks— this sport looks, honestly, so foolish in the world's eyes, and all that goodwill sort of uh, was, was squandered. It. It, it's, 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 it's honestly, it's, it's a little painful sometimes. Do you, you think the sport looks foolish?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that it's been just a travesty what's happened the last few weeks and and what has happened on all sides of Novak getting in there, Novak getting deported. As I said, the players last year then getting told they have to lock up for 15 days on the eve of a major. Like It has been a mess trying to play this Grand Slam in Australia these last couple of years.
3: uh, Which is like Djokovic. This is a tournament known for being buttoned up. And these last two years have just been
4: chaos. Happy Slam has not been so happy for many players. (laughs) I hope they figure it out. And they need to be by the book. You know, no. oh, well, maybe if you do this, we can swing it. Yeah, uh, it needs to be clear. There's going to be a new
1: men's champion for the first time since 2018 at the Australian Open. Much more TC Live after this.
3: TC Live at the Australian Open is brought to you in part by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and new customers can bet $1 and win $100 if any point is won. Plus, all customers can play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use code ACE and buy Tennis Express. We deliver tennis right to your front door. Order today, ships today.
1: And welcome back to TC Live. I'm Steve Weissman. After its first February start in more than 100 years... The Australian Open returns to its usual spot on the tennis calendar. Plenty of questions to be answered over the next two weeks. And for all those answers, make sure to log on to tennis.com, your online source for all the information you'll need to follow the sport during the 2022 season. Stay current with all the latest news during the AO, including live match scoring, draws, and much, much more. Steve Tigner has his three to see on day one. Some early tests for Americans golf, Korda, and Nakashima. What's the forecast in Melbourne? Here's Fox weather.
0: 69 degrees. The peak of afternoon sunshine is expected and winds out of the southwest 10 to 12 miles per hour. To download the Fox weather app, go to foxweather.com.
1: Sounds delightful still to come on the show. We break down the big day one duels and we've got a new twist to our DraftKings match preview you don't want to miss. Plus, 18-year-old Carlos Alcaraz burst onto the scene last year. How the only teenager in the top 50 is set to go even higher. on tc live presented by geico spanish teenager carlos alcaraz made a huge splash last year moving up more than 100 spots in the rankings to finish at 32 in the world he also won the next gen finals to complete an incredible season we traveled to spain to get the tennis story behind one of the atp's newest stars
9: I saw him practicing with people when he was 14, 15, 16, with people that they have such a huge uh, level and he was adapting his game to that game.
3: Carlos Alcaraz, he is the next-gen champion for 2021.
10: First year in the TP Tour, I had to learn from the best tennis player in the, in the world, like uh, Zverev, Rafa. One of the most exciting talents to have emerged over the past 12 months or so, Carlos Alcaraz. I had uh, great memories, uh, great matches, great moments.
3: Alcaraz, a really mentally resilient performance from him. I have an awful lot to look forward to watching this
10: guy over the next few years. I learned uh, a lot and I enjoyed every moment.
9: Since the first moment that I saw him, I could see some of the difference with other players. Very dynamic, uh, very aggressive. He likes to go to the net. It's not a very typical Spanish
10: style. siete cambio. I'm improving really fast. Never thought that the, I'm able to compete with the top players at the 18 years old. You take ready soon. He
9: believes he can win every match that he plays and so it's very important to be one of the, of the best. He wants to do all the time, all the things like perfect.
10: I finished in, in top 30. The results came with the hard work. I'm really glad to live the, this kind of moments right now. I think uh, Juan Carlos is uh, really important for me as a tennis coach and uh, as, a, as a person.
9: He's very friendly. He likes to have fun with friends, and uh, it's uh, very uh, humble. It's one of the things uh, very important to me to work with somebody.
10: Vuelve, 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 vuelve. Un pasito ahí para luego poder caminar hacia adelante. We have a, a close uh, relationship. He can help me uh, a lot in the court and also off the court. I am uh, a funny guy. You know, I have uh, friends here. I just want to be happy all day, you know, with, with them, uh, making laughs, uh, making jokes. I am like this.
9: I think he has a chance to be a great player, one of the special ones, but of course, it's, it's maybe too early to put on him that kind of pressure to win Grand Slams. But of course, I do believe that he, he can do it. <laughs>
10: Uh, the people compare you with Rafa, this means that you are doing the correct things. I'm trying not to think about about it. Just following my, my way. I want to the people know me like Carlos Alcalá.
1: <laughs> That's it. <laughs> He says he's a funny guy. These stats are no joke. Youngest man in the U.S. Open quarters in the Open era. Youngest to win an ATP title since Kenish Shakuri back in 08. Look at all those wins he had last year. Three top ten wins. He beat Berrettini, Cam Nori, Andy Murray. Year and 32 started at 141. We changed locations here on TC Live. Martina, Steve, John, back with you. Lindsey will be back in a moment. Don't you worry. We are at the big desk right now. And Martina, uh, he said his goals for this year, Carlos Alcaraz to finish inside the top 15 to make the ATP Finals. What are the chances he achieves those goals?
4: Well, if he wants to <clears throat> get into the ATP finals, he needs to be top ten. Right. Top uh, eight. Which uh, which is possible. I, I tell you, the special ones you remember the first time you saw him play. I remember the first time I saw Tsitsipas on Tennis Channel in some <laughs> tournament in uh, I think Morocco. I'm like, this guy's going to be good. And same thing for Alcaraz. I don't know where I saw him, but I remember seeing him. I'm like, okay, this kid has got it all. And what I like about what Juan Carlos said about him, he is a perfectionist. He likes to do things to perfection. Sometimes it can be a minus, but overall, that kind of focus and that kind of determination, uh, that's great for, for the long term. So he's, he's already, physically, he's already there. You see guys fill out maybe in their 20s, like Andy Murray. He's, he's already there now, and uh, he, he's got such a good mind and likes to move forward. He's, he's got it all going on, and he's hungry. He's so hungry.
3: The inevitable Rafa comparisons are are easy, but I think here there's really something instructive there. I mean, it really does remind you of Rafa. And One of them, you talk about, what doesn't he do? If you were coaching against him, what's the weakness there? Uh, Here here you can see some of these. Keep in mind, too, these guys are 18 years apart, so I don't think there's a ton of pressure. He inevitably is going to be compared to Nadal, but it's not like they're contemporaries. Look at all this symmetry, though, here, guys. I mean, they won their first title literally eight days apart. The difference... You look at the best ATP rank, very close at the same age. The one difference here I would point out is Nadal did win a major the week of his 19th birthday. so uh, you Which, know. which <laughs> is possible,
1: which is possible. Uh, listen, he did not, you know, play in Australia last year. He had to qualify, in fact, last year for Australia. He did play uh, this year. He's a seeded player. John asked the question. I'm curious what you think. What does he need to improve on?
4: Uh, just keep doing things better, uh but he doesn't really have a weakness. I think he can still uh maybe tactically know a little more uh, uh when when to when to pull the trigger, but he does hit the ball so hard all the time. hitzi says he has never seen the ball hit harder of both wings, so he's got the power maybe add a little bit of finesse and and maybe a little mixing it up, serving bali once in a while just to take uh, take advantage of of those balls and and put some seat of doubt in the opponent, but he does he he, he can just keep improving, but there is no weakness.
3: He also seems to have a really nice thing going with Juan Carlos Ferrero, yeah. former, you know, made it to the semis of Australia. And I, I think sometimes it's interesting. You say you say two players at a coach. Oh, what do they have in common? Not a lot of overlap. They don't play the same way. And I think sometimes that can be sometimes that can be very helpful. I think that's what we got here. Not just the
1: only teenager in the top fifty; he is the youngest player in the top three hundred. Oh, so nobody even close at his age to what he's been able to do. Expect to see big things from Carlos Alcaraz down under, taking on Alejandro Tabilo in the first round. Raf Nadal on site, getting ready for his first match against Marcos
3: Guerrero. Going for his second Australian Open title would be his 90th title overall. Oh, Jim Courier, that's Mark Lopez, who has retired and now joined in the dog camp as well.
1: to TC Live as we are leading you up to day one action at the Australian Open. Our featured matches on Rod Laver, Maria Sakri, a top 10 seed at a major for the first time. Naomi Osaka looking for her third title here. Rafa, tough first rounder against the American Marcos Giron. World number one Ash Barty in action and so is Alexander Zverev. His draw got a little bit easier. Novak Djokovic, the top seed, is out. As we welcome you back. Onto to the couch here in Santa Monica, Martina, Steve, Lindsay, and John. Uh, we're going to preview some of the other big matchups coming up today. We start with Paula Bedosa, Lindsay, and a fantastic season last year. Went from 70 to making the WTA Finals, won Indian Wells, and she gets a rematch that she just played in Sydney on her way to the title there against Isla Tamjanovic.
2: Yeah, that is a tough draw for, for Paula Bedosa, and yes, beat Tamjanovic last week, but she also went through and won the title, finished pretty late Saturday night gets one day in Melbourne and has to start off. She would have wanted to start off against maybe an opponent a little bit lower in the rankings because her gas tank isn't that full and you want to build your way back in. So she's going to have to be ready to go. The other thing with Bedosa is this is the player last year that was most affected by the different rules in Australia, was in quarantine on day seven, tested positive 21 days, has to be just a little bit scared going back into Melbourne Park this year after everything that happened to her last year.
4: Badosa, she's, she's such a dark horse for me. I mean, the way she's, she finished the year winning in Indian and was playing the big matches, big points so well. Won two matches in the last Thursday th- 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 tiebreak. I mean, she is just so tough. And, uh, yeah, maybe her tank is a little little bit full on the, I mean, a little bit on the empty side, but at the same time to come and win these matches this well and just pick up right where she left off in Guadalajara. I think she's uh, she's looking good already has a title to start the year. This is the age-old
3: question, though, right? Do you play that week before a major? Obviously a little bit different in Australia and some of these travel times, but I think you nailed it, Lens. It would be nice if she'd had, A, a qualifier or a lesser opponent, not an Australian, and also an extra day would have helped.
1: She does have that win over time, And, of course, she's at a world career high yeah. number six right exactly. now. So, Paula Bedosa, she is definitely a contender to take the title in Melbourne. On the men's side, uh, the other half of the My Tennis Life duo of Ila Tom Matteo Berrettini, uh, w- one of the hot couples in our sport. Matteo Berrettini, number seven, John. And he's taken on a young American in Brandon Nakashima.
3: Does anyone else get a whiff of upset? <laughs> I don't know, maybe not in a best-of-five match. But um, I, I think Nakashima has a lot of talent. He's not going to make things easy. He'll make Berrettini hit a lot of balls. Berrettini also, he's already lost two close matches this year. Berrettini will be the favorite. But 20-year-old Brandon Nakashima, I think this could be a really interesting match.
4: Yeah, I think Brendan has a good chance. I mean, I think this could be a longer match. We'll see how the matches, how the courts are playing, etc. But, again, first tournament of the year for most players. Uh, you just really don't know how it's going to turn out. But... Uh, yeah, I think Berrettini will get it done. Yeah,
2: it's one of those danger matches. And Barrettini, who played so well last year, but was injured to finish the year, didn't get a proper off-season in. So you always are a little bit skeptical about players like that. How good is Barrettini going to be right off the bat? These very quick courts. Nakashima, one of these players we're so excited about, along with Sebi Corta here in the States. Will this be the time for him to have a huge win, definitely has the chance. But Berrettini, if he serves well, if he's hitting his forehand well, has that ability to take the play out of Nakashima's hand.
1: Could be an upset special. It would be the first top ten win in the young career of Brandon Nakashima. Speaking of players that have made incredible rises, Barbora Krejcikova. I mean, she was outside the top 60 entering the Australian Open last year. Now she's a major champion. Now she's the number four seed taking on Andrea Petkovic.
4: She's been backing up that French Open win. I mean, for her, it really did happen overnight, practically. And uh, she's really handled it well. <laughs> this last tournament, I don't know, she's still walking after <laughs> winning. Uh, I mean, the, the semifinal was three hours something. and the final, she loses 7-6 and the third again. Uh, she's she's uh, placed the big points really well. She just... It looks so calm. Inside, she's boiling, but she looks so calm on the outside. It's the same routine before every point. And I think that's what gets her through these tough matches.
2: Martina, that's such a great point because the last five or six years, maybe even longer, ten years, we were talking about in women's tennis, this great Grand Slam result and then the player really struggles the next mm-hmm. six to 12 months. And let's give some props to Kray Chicova, who not only oh. has really just continued to improve yep. and win matches... Also continuing to play doubles. She just yep. loves to play. She loves to compete. And she's not scared of the success, which I, I think we haven't seen enough of, especially on the WTA tour.
3: We were in the green room rehearsing and something. Well, who do you like in the critique of a quarter? It's like, back up. <laughs> critique of a quarter. Oh, yeah. She's a top four seed. That tells you she won the French Open, but she built on it. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a one slam wonder right there. And again, a she's contender to win doubles as well. Yep. A lot of credit to her, and uh, I think she ought to get it done today. How about this? This is our
1: only eighth Grand Slam main draw for Petkovic, 46. (laughs) That that says it all right there for Barbora Krejcikova. Uh, Alexander Zverev had his draw open up pretty nicely. Uh, The top seed Novak Djokovic is not there anymore. He starts out against Daniel Altmaier. Is this the tournament, John, where Zverev breaks through and wins
3: his first major? See, we're supposed to waffle? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think he's going to break through here. And I think the fact that Djokovic isn't playing is sort of the, the final bit. Uh, he's ready. He's been ready. He's coming off a very strong ATP finals, obviously. He starts off against a player, fellow German. Mm-hmm. They grew up about 50 miles apart, one year apart in eight, 90 parts in ranking. 90 spaces in ranking divides them. So we ought to get off to a nice start. I think this is his tournament. I'm feeling it.
2: Yeah, he's come a long way since losing that heartbreak final to team when he Mm -hmm. had that opportunity at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. But you just never know how a player responds when they're the underdog searching. It's so much easier to play. And then all of a sudden, again, this is another slam where he's now expected to probably get through to that final. You just never know Zverev. He was one of these players Perhaps we've had a lot of stories going on, a lot of controversial stories. He's been able to kind of go back under the radar these last two months, three months, as Peng Shui and Novak.
4: Maybe that helps him here. Uh, the opportunity is there for the whole field. I used to say it's Serena against the field. Now it was Novak against the field. Now Novak's not here. So I think everybody's thinking that they have a chance, but Zera for sure he almost took that opportunity at the at the U.S. Open when, when Novak was out, and now I think he'll be biting at the apple. He's been there too many times to kind of yep. wither away, so I agree with John.
1: Uh, I'm with you, John, as well. I mean, he has barely lost matches since taking the gold medal at the Olympics last year, and he's been to the semifinals in Australia before. Just needs to take, you know, a couple steps further. Could be the year. For the German, Alexander Zverev to race his first major trophy. A lot more still to get to here on TC Live. Maria Sockery getting ready for her first match on the biggest court in Melbourne. Rod Laver Arena first rounder against Tatiana Maria is coming up.
3: those dreams
1: become reality in 2021 BNP Paribas Open
0: women's singles champion. Let's hear it for Paula Badosa.
1: Well coming off the best season of her life Paula Badosa kept the good vibes rolling. She won a tune-up in Sydney after a hard-fought final against Barbora Krejcikova-Martina.
4: Pedosa is a big-time player in the big moments, and she did it again, winning a final set tiebreak in the finals of the tournament, and uh, she's looking good. She's got that strap on her shoulder, but she's had it, as we saw in those uh, highlights from Indian Wars again, so I think it's more preventative than anything else, and uh, I think uh, she's she's one of the players to, uh, to watch out in this tournament.
1: Third career title. Now a career-high six in the world. How about Andy Murray? Going for his first title since 2019, taking on Aslan Karatsev in Sydney 12 months ago. It was the Russian who made his presence felt on court, getting to the semifinals of the Australian it's Open. The now his third about. title, John.
3: Yeah, what a story. This guy is. Uh, Andy Murray, obviously, a sentimental favorite. But how about Karatsev? This was a guy outside the top 100 a year ago. Now he's seeded. And a uh, pretty routine match over Andy Murray in the final here. 83% first serves won by Karatsev. When Andy Murray is only winning 17% of his return points, it's going to be a long day. And unfortunately for Murray, that was uh, that was the case again. Andy Murray, we had retired him three years ago in Australia. Now it's great to see him back and getting to finals of tournaments. But uh, this was all Karatsev, and suddenly here's a, a top 20 seed in Karatsev at the Australian Open, a semifinalist last year. He wins a lot of matches and uh, comes in already having won. A title in 2022. He is no longer a secret weapon.
1: He is a three-time champion on the ATP tour. But Andy Murray, ranked 135 in the world, he said he doesn't just want to play in these big moments, he wants to succeed in them. Takes on Nicholas Basilashvili, first round here. Is he still a threat to win big time titles?
7: Mm.
2: That's a tough question, Steve. (laughs) Um, I think, and again, you talk about seven matches, three out of five sets with his age, all the miles, a metal hip. I think it's highly unlikely that another Grand Slam trophy is going to be lifted by Murray. But he's a crowd favorite. He's a sentimental favorite. We all like to see him play well and do well. We love a comeback story. But I think
4: being a Grand Slam champion is a completely different ball game. Yeah, I think he can win against pretty much anybody, most players. Uh, but I think the top ten, those guys, three out of five, physically, I don't think he can manage it. But uh, maybe he can win at one of those outside tournaments, but not, uh, not, not the major, unfortunately. But it's great to see him back and enjoying it so much. I'll tell you one seed he can beat. That's Villy. Yeah. yeah. Beating him uh, yeah. T- twice in the last year. But,
3: no, I mean, I think what what goes as you get older, the consistency. And in a given day, can Andy Murray beat the player on yep. the other side of the net? Yes. 21 sets. it's a lot to ask.
1: 46 career titles. Yeah. Says he wants 50. He wants, yeah. uh, he wants, uh, he wants he to retire. 20, 20, Who am I to say 20? he can't going. do it? Well, you exactly. said
2: big titles. Yeah. I didn't say no, he could be in so. the 250s no, and maybe a 500. I was going off big titles.
3: Best
1: of five. No master's? Not best out of five? That's a big title, yeah. Yeah, that's right. a big title. Well, right, We'll see if we can get it done. I, I believe in you, Andy. Uh, we had an <laughs> All-American final yesterday. It was Maddie Keyes taking on Allison Risk. Keyes reeled off seven straight games early to take control in this one, LD. Yeah,
2: the most impressive thing with Keyes in this match was it wasn't even 24 hours earlier. Very emotional, physical win over Coco. Goff, 7-5 in the third. Came back the very next day to play this final, and for Keyes, just was so consistent, and that has really been an issue for her the last couple of years. But played this final physically, her body held up through the five matches the entire week. Had just a little bit too much power for Risk in this match. Second serve points was absolutely huge. Risk winning only about a quarter of hers, Maddie winning three quarters of hers. So defended her second serve well. She found some shape with her backhand during this tournament, was patient to wait for the forehand. But again, it was her ability to bounce back after having a good win, coming back to win a title. This was big for her, and she spoke about it so eloquently all week.
1: Yeah, she said the biggest takeaway is that things can switch at any moment. First title since 2019 for Madison Keys. This is a former World number 7, now ranked 87 in the world. And she takes on the 2020 Australian Open champion, Sophia Kennan, in the first round. Uh, who do you think wins that match? Well,
4: I think Madison Keyes, this co- faster court and also uh, can in, cannot be that confident. She doesn't look in that great a shape. And Madison, on the other hand, looks really fit. And if she is fresh enough or recovered enough from this uh, win, kind of good news, bad news. You won the tournament, bad news. You got to play two days later. Uh, but nice problem. So I think if she is okay for this match, then she'll be all right the rest of the tournament. But, uh, yeah, Maddie yeah. should win that match.
3: Two years ago, we were talking about her as the best player who hasn't won a major yeah. yet. So, you know, t- about a stock worth buying, I think she beats Kennan. I don't know if she's ready to win majors, but, boy, you talk about a player who looks very well poised to have a big year, the big hit. I mean, even in those highlights, you just see the sheer pace, <laughs> and you say, this is a top player.
2: Yeah, so much for Madison is about shot selection, about playing with margin when she's not on her front foot and waiting for the right shot. That was something last week that clicked really well for Keys. She's got to keep that going. And with Madison, she's got to be fresh physically, but also mentally to be able to build those points. And that's what can get fatigued. She flew to Melbourne late Saturday night, didn't really do much yesterday, in hopes that she would be able to be fresh today for a pretty tough first-round match. But if you were going to have to play a seed and you were floating around Mm unseeded, That's the a one lot of players would be like, okay, I'll, I'll go for Kennedy yep. She hasn't been
1: playing much. No, that's a great point. She said, she, Maddie, that she's changed her mindset a little bit. Lost an early match. Said, "Say, la vie. <laughs> uh, you know, she's one of those players that can beat any yep. single player on the WTA any given day. We'll have our DraftKings match previews coming up on TC Live. There is Naomi Osaka, the defending champion. Getting warm, getting limber, ready to take the court. Go for her fifth major title. Feeling good in Australia. Martina, Lindsay, John, Steve back with you on TC Live, and we will be with you 15 straight days. Two hours leading you up to the action every single day down under 5 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, encore coverage of the matches at 7 a.m. Eastern. Time now for our DraftKings match previews. Cannot wait for this. We are breaking down Riley Opelka, Kevin Anderson. Opelka, the favorite to win. You got to bet 245 bucks to win 100 But how about this? Total sets. Favored to go more than three sets. It is favored in this match to go more than three sets. We'll see what Kevin Anderson can do. Obviously, uh, he's been ranked higher in his career than Riley Opelka, but a lot of aces. I would like to go over under one tie break And I would say over
3: to that. What do you think of an ace? <laughs> If you did go over or under on aces, what would you say? In this match, uh, 35. Oh,
4: I was going to say 40.
3: I was going to say, I'll take the over on that. Yeah. Okay. I was going
4: to say right. 50. Yeah. So yeah. 25 apiece. Right. Oh, a piece. Oh, oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Best of five. Yeah, I, oh, right. five.
1: Right. Yeah, I guess it would be higher. Yeah, All right. 45, something like that. All right. Anyway, we want that. That's, <laughs> a, good, that's a
3: good prop bet. We're, we're doing I know, right? We're making our there. own prop
1: bets here <laughs> for DraftKick. Get, get on that. Uh, who do you think wins this match? Well, Opelka's
2: the favorite. It, Kevin Anderson, one of those players that's a, that's a wild card, right? He's played so well a couple of years ago, has been so injured these last couple of years. Is he healthy? You know he's coming in well-prepared. I mean, he is one of these players that is so professional on how he approaches, especially the offseason. But Opelka's got that something special, and he's a great player waiting for him to make that next step. He had such a great year last year. Uh, I say Opelka in four.
1: Opelka in four. What do you think, Martina?
4: Mm, I think it's going to go five. And I think uh, Kevin has a good chance to win. <laughs> I think the faster course he does, I think he handles the low balls better than Opelka. Uh, but that's just a feeling. I have nothing to back it up on. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, we'll a little bit of knowledge. To
3: back yeah. it
1: I'll take what Martinez feeling right there, John. I mean, I, I feel how much, how, how important is this one for Riley?
3: I, I think so. I mean, he's past the point of uh, good showings. I mean, he needs week twos of these majors. He comes in seeded. He comes in potentially. He could be the highest ranked American. I think he wins. I think he wins in four. And I think uh, if, if he doesn't, I would not want to be in that locker room.
1: All right. We've got a DraftKings Sportsbook daily special parlay style. First time we're doing this on TC Live. So the parlay means you pick all three to win even more. Pick all three of these favorite stars to win in straight sets, no less. So you're picking Nadal, Berrettini, and Keys all to win in straights. 100 bucks gets you 752 John. Are you taking this?
3: 752 is a big number, so let's be clear. So Nadal, the odds are in favor of his winning in straight. Yes. Berrettini, no. We're thinking no. Nakashima. Berrettini is a favorite, but we're presumably that 155 is Nakashima taking the set. Same, pretty close. I think to win 752, doing the back of the envelope dirty math as we say in the Midwest, I, I think I <laughs> I'm taking that for 752. Yeah. Um, I like those odds. I'm taking that. So Nadal wins in straight. Yeah. Martini beats Nakashima no, no, and Keys. I think
2: Nakashima or Keys and Kennan will split some sets. We'll I think Irohin also. He might. He, he a, could set sneak a out. set
1: over
3: Rafa.
2: I wouldn't.
4: I would not be putting my 752 on it. guys. Thank you, Martini. I know
3: it's a big payoff.
1: Maybe,
4: Maybe tomorrow, 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 right
1: here, John. <laughs> I may not yeah. take a hundred for 752, but I may take one for 75. There you go. I risk a buck to get 75 on that, right? Great. Oh
4: yeah. No. <laughs> 7.50. No, but it's 10, 10 Yeah, you need to
1: $7.50. So, see? I don't do the dirty math. All right. Well, not, uh, from, not from the Midwest.
4: Yeah, 24 hours from now we'll have an
3: answer.
1: I can read about DraftKings though. Here we go. Download the DraftKings <laughs> sportsbook app now. New customers can bet it. A- one dollar here. There's where you get a dollar. And win a hundred if any point is one. That's for me. Uh, not in a sportsbook state. We'll download any of the apps, play for thousands every day in DraftKings free-to-play pools. Use that code ACE when you sign up. Even for all of our New York residents, where DraftKings Sportsbook is now available. All right, let's take a look at some of the key matchups and things still to come. We're getting warm and fuzzy with Lolo Jones on Tennis Channel Live. We're going to break down some more big Australian Open storylines and delve into the Djokovic drama, which has consumed the headlines heading into the year's first major. Don't go anywhere. It's TC Live presented by GEICO. Back on TC Live, it is our Geico 15-second news update. Salvatore Caruso, who has won a single match at the Australian Open, gets the Novak Djokovic spot at the top of the draw. Rafa Nadal, the only former champion on the men's side playing, in Naomi Osaka going for her third title in Melbourne. Now time to get warm and fuzzy with Olympian Lolo Jones.
6: You are... A mom, correct? Yes. To a son named Leo. That's correct. I have to ask you this. What is harder, delivering your child or yes. winning a Grand Slam? Um, it was shorter to deliver a child than winning a Grand Slam. <laughs> what was the time <laughs> it Definitely. took you for the, the childbirth? It was like 13 hours. Yeah. Wow. It was 13 hours. The Grand Slam takes two weeks and then about 15 years to prepare for that, so it's a bit longer, <laughs> it takes a bit longer time, but both are, I think, very, very hard in their own different ways, also both very fulfilling in their own different ways, um, so I wouldn't choose one or the other.
1: Well, we've got so many of these warm and fuzzy interviews with all of your favorite players. Head to Tennis Channel's website and the Tennis Channel app to check them all out. We've got our top storylines coming up when TC Live returns. CC Live presented by geico taking a look at our lineup we are with you two hours every single day of the tournament 5 p.m to 7 p.m eastern leading up to live tennis on espn at 7 eastern and then on court coverage right back here on tennis channel at 7 a.m eastern time to get to some of the big stories on the court just one member of the big three is in melbourne his name is Raf Nadal, and he can also get that record 21st major title. He is now the world number six, coming off of his 89th career title, and is going for number two at the Australian Open.
5: You never know. Uh, gonna arrive a day that uh, the comeback will be impossible, no? But uh, I, I just want to try. Again, no, and uh, I want to to give my best. I want to give myself a chance to keep enjoying this beautiful sport and to keep fighting for the thing that I have been fighting for for the last uh, 16 years. Now.
1: Well, after winning that warm-up event that we discussed, Martina, Rafa said he still doesn't feel like a genuine contender here. What do you make of his chances to win? <laughs> He's
4: the <laughs> ultimate sandbagger. <laughs> He's downplayed his chances to win at Roland Ro- Ro- Garros. So I don't think that... With a big grain of salt. Uh, no, Rafa definitely is, is in with a chance. Now the draw has opened up for him with, with Novak out, and uh, he definitely is a contender. Things have to fall into place for him. He needs to stay fresh, but the foot seems to be okay. When he he's 100% physically, he's a contender on any surface.
3: Bag meets sand. <laughs> um, he, you know, I mean, he's, he's won one title, as you say, but... His back went out in the final against Stan Pabrinka. That match against Roger Federer, of course, in 2017. He was up a break in the fifth set. The match in 2012 against Novak could have got... He could very easily have four titles here. I don't quite know what shape he's in. I mean, he won a tournament, didn't have to play a player in the top 75. Not best of five, obviously, but... Yeah, is a guy with 20 majors a contender? I would say so. (laughs) Yeah,
2: we got to remember, there was a chance that Rafa wasn't even going to come. Not only the foot tested positive for COVID in late December, so everyone was so thrilled when he got off the plane and showed that picture of himself on Rod Laver Arena. But I think it's probably a big ask at this tournament. The courts are playing very fast. He's played seven tournaments each of the last two years. It's great to see him back out there healthy. But three out of five sets on a hard court on his body, I I just don't know. I mean, I want to see him get to 21. Um, I think so much good could come out of it if Rafa has a great tournament and potentially wins here. But let's see physically how he holds
1: up. How about 19 years in a row with a title? Yeah, that consistency and dominance is incredible for Nadal. On the women's side, Ash Barty is the world number one. Naomi Osaka, she's the defending champion. In fact, these two could meet in the fourth round. What a matchup that would be. Here's what Ash Barty had to say looking for her first title at her home slam.
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back home in Australia, be so excited to be back playing, and obviously it was really nice to, to get a few matches in
6: Adelaide uh, last week and, and kind of roll on some momentum and, and know that I'm coming in here playing well and, and kind of excited to start and just chomping in a bit to get, to get after it.
1: Lindsay, it's been 44 years since an Australian woman has won their home major. Ash Barty, top seed for the third straight year. Yep. Does she raise the trophy this year?
2: You know, we'll see. Uh, she... Has struggled to play her best tennis down under. I mean, she gives this impression that she can handle it pretty well. But two years in a row, a brutal loss to Kennan. She was a big favorite in that semifinal on a very hot day. Then last year, Mahova up a set and a break. So I I think she wants this. She really wanted Wimbledon, of course. But this is pretty, pretty close and pretty high up there. Can she manage the expectations? I really liked her chances more when she won Adelaide and pulled out of Sydney. So Mm -hmm. she got to regroup a little bit. Osaka played three matches, withdrew with the ab, and her ranking went down to 13. And everybody then knew there was a chance that she could be put somewhere. Unfortunately for us, our two Mm -hmm. biggest favorites are potentially going to meet in the round of 16.
3: These are the two best players of the last five years meeting in the round of 16. Interesting. But I, I think you raise a really good point, which is Barty... Won a tournament, not a lot of ring rust. I mean, she hadn't played since the U.S. Open, came back, looked good. But the fact that she took that week off, which she hasn't historically done. You know, this is big time in Australia. She's going to get a lot of pressure. Here's here's Naomi also didn't have a lot of ring rust here. But I think that Barty took that week off, I think, is almost as significant as the fact that she had a good win.
4: Well, she needed matches, but then if she played that week, now she's playing four weeks in a row. And with the fourth week being the most important, she'll be the most tired. So yep. that was a perfect preparation for her. I think she signed up in case she loses early in the week before but it worked out perfectly for her. And uh, she's she's as sharp as, as as ever. I think she'll, you know, tennis-wise, maybe uh, it's better to win the Wimbledon than the Australian Open, but emotionally <laughs> the Australian <laughs> Open is the biggest one for her. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see if she can hold up. Yeah. It's too bad they have to play each other if they get their yeah. round of 16.
1: Oh, Osaka picked up three wins before withdrawing in the semifinals. Her tune-up event This is the fourth time she's defending a major title. She hasn't done it yet. What are your expectations for her?
2: That's the question mark with Naomi. I mean, everything that we've heard from her and seen from her is much more positive and excitement about playing love for her that these courts are playing so fast with her game if she's on her power and her ability to hit through the court definitely puts her opponents on their back feet we just have to see how she competes maybe in a big match when it's really close how is she feeling where's her tennis at she hasn't played tons and all of a sudden you throw in Barty if you get the crowd going against her and and Barty's variety how does Osaka hold up? She's pretty good on a hard-court major. She gets that extra day to recover physically and emotionally. It's going to be—I hope they do play. I'm just sad it's going to be in the round right. of 16.
3: Yeah. Well, it's fine. We've been talking so much about her emotional state over the last nine months. What do we make of the fact that, you know, got, got three matches, got three wins, looked pretty good for someone that hadn't played since the U.S. Open, and then— yeah, I, I can't remember quite how she put it in social media, but basically, b- body ain't cooperating. Hmm. Do we think that is precautionary, or does that worry us that someone who's been out so long since last week, I mean, here she is. This is a nice match against Petkovich. A veteran's going to make her hit a lot of balls. Uh-huh. Not, not reasonable. It's, it's completely reasonable that she would... Pull, pull up and have some physical tweaks after this,
4: but does that make us nervous, guys? Well, yeah, because matches is what what stresses the body the most. You, know, you can be the best shape of your life, but the matches you always stretch a little bit more for the shots, and and the emotional energy also makes the body you not know, recover so well. So you have, to, uh, you have to have the matches to get the confidence more so for the body rather than the mind.
2: Yeah, she did this last year leading into the Australian Open. She did it the year she won the U.S. Open. She withdrew from the final of the Western and Southern Open a couple of years ago. I think that she goes when she's feeling OK with her tennis, she doesn't want to risk anything physically. So I, I don't think it's that big a deal for her. But certainly for someone who hasn't been playing much tennis, you, you never like to see them
4: exit physically. I I think Osaka's a little bit like Serena. She's got that big game, and she doesn't need that many matches as long as she stays healthy to play well and get that confidence so and the faster court that will help her the same time Barty that slice is going to stay pretty low on this on this fast court
1: I think Osaka got all she needed in those three matches to get ready for the Australian Open she also has been quite revealing John in her press conferences that's obviously what happened at Roland Garros last year said she didn't want to do them and then took herself out of the tournament how do you see this whole process playing
3: out it's funny I got a text from an Australian uh, journalist they said you would never have known that this was an ordeal in the spring and summer. She's been great. She's been candid. She's been fun. I mean, she said, look, I hope I don't cry in a press conference. And obviously, I mean, you know, this, this is something that gives her some discomfort. We should respect that. But she's been great. And you, you read the transcripts. She's candid. Yeah. This is, uh, you, you would never have known that this was mm-hmm. such a cause celeb in, in tennis over the last nine months. That was one of her two goals for the year. Don't cry in a press conference again. <laughs>
1: I mean, she's kind of, you know, I I feel like she's at a good place right now. Took some time (laughs) off and and she's ready to go. Meantime, 19-year-old Emma Raducanu, she is the last woman to win a major. She came out of nowhere to win the U.S. Open. In fact, the last time she played in Australia, she was playing the Australian Juniors (laughs) and lost in the first round. So how does she feel now heading into this event with a big target on her back?
6: For me, I think it's going to be a very cool experience to play here in the main draw for the first time i i played a few years ago in the juniors and uh coming back here playing in the main draw so soon i feel quite proud of this achievement looking forward to getting out there
1: So, listen, she wins the U.S. Open as a qualifier, makes history, didn't drop a single set. Since then, Lindsay, two and four, was just beaten love and one less than a week ago. What level do you think we're going to see from Emma Raducanu?
2: There's so many questions surrounding her and how to handle this complete change of life, complete change of where you are on the radar of— Of people's perception. She also tested positive for COVID and didn't get to practice for a while in in late December. I I think this could end up being a tough trip for her. As you said, won one game against Rabakina. Doesn't come into this tournament with a lot of confidence, but as we were talking, who cares? She is a (laughs) U.S. Open champion. She is still young. Some players, you win that young, takes them a year or two, maybe even three to kind of readjust, and she'll still be in her early 20s trying to figure it out. She's a good player. She's got a good base of, of tennis underneath her. But I, I don't think that that success that we saw in New York, 10 matches to win, right, yeah. going through qualies, it, it might take a little bit more time until we see that again.
1: And, and a tough first round, Martina. I mean, she gets another U.S. Open champion, Sloan Stevens, right out the
4: gate. She's got the highest expectation and the lowest expectation at the same time. I mean, literally, she could lose in the first round. She could win the whole tournament. The biggest spread of any player, I think, coming in, we really don't know what's going to happen as, as Lindsay said, ten matches in a row, but that's the most matches that she's won in a year. Period. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's she's such a known unknown with the, also the coaching situation being very fluid. Uh, but uh, she's got you know we have the potential, but we'll see if uh, if she can keep it up. I don't know. It's a total unknown right it, now. If
3: nothing else, I think this this underscores just how crazy that U.S. Open was. Yeah. Uh Just what an anomaly that was, as you say. Ten wins in, uh, in in barely two weeks and then two match wins since then. Again, apart from everything else, there's COVID thrown into the mix. There are all sorts of commercial obligations. We need to all back off. This is a teenager. This is absolutely transformative. Clearly, there is game there. Is she going to win? Is she going to beat Sloane Stevens? Is she going to mean, She's a defending major champion. I, I don't think she's going to back that up. But I also think we got to play the long game here.
1: Absolutely. A teenager, she's setting her family up for life financially. Whatever she does from here is a bonus. That said, I mean, she's still great talent. We'll see what she does on the court. Uh, the coach that you mentioned, Torben Belts, she's got a veteran coach right now, Lindsay. What we saw against Rebakana, maybe on the court didn't show the full scheme, but... Her reaction to getting a game and her reaction after the match when she said I, I just wasn't going to get double bagels.
2: Uh, don't you think that's what made the women's U.S. Open final so special was just the happiness that both Emma and Layla Fernandez showed with being there. Their ability to light the crowd up. I think she knew she was not going to be ready to yeah, play for best man. tennis in Sydney. She pulled out the week before of the, the lead in tournament. She knew she wasn't quite ready. And she played a, a player who's very good. But her personality, her attitude is really
4: what's charmed so many fans around the world. Ruben Bells could really help her. He's been there so many times with Angelique Kerber. Also, the faster courts, she, she likes the faster court. She's done well on, on grass, as well as the fast court at the US Open. It's more a matter of, of confidence. And, and, and the crowd, I think they will love her. They love a newcomer. And what's not to like about her. So she just needs to relax and not, uh, not take too much into uh, consideration.
3: We also talked about about you know, 30 is the new 20, and these careers get longer. You know, Petkovic, mid-30s, but pick a player. I, I think that's something that really helps players. You don't have this compressed window. Nobody's saying, oh, by age 25, it's all downhill. Take your time. No. Take the equivalent Long-term. of a gap year. Is she going to be ranked higher at the end of the year than she is now? I don't know. She's got a lot to defend in the fall. She doesn't have much to defend to them. But I just think if you can elongate this career, she's got 15 more years. I think that takes a lot of pressure off.
2: Yeah, and let her get uh, used to the change of uh, the landscape. I mean, you have a player who then needed security to get through Heathrow Airport getting back home. She was looking out her window and saw 15 paparazzi cars outside her house in the week after. (laughs) I mean, no one has really had to go through that very rare occasion. That is going to take a little while just to get used to. She walks down the street now, and she's getting photos photographed wherever she goes just shopping with some friends. I mean right. it is tough for a teenager to be able to handle that in any circumstance. Especially being
4: in <clears throat> UK. I mean she's yeah. a big fish in a small bowl. Tennis wise in UK. She'd be better off being an American in this situation. Yeah. But I think she'll be able to handle it.
1: When she's photographed, she's styling. She's got the Tiffany's yeah. deal. She's got the Dior deal. Yeah. L- looking good when, when you get those <laughs> photographs taken. Uh, we shall see how it all plays out on the court. Much more still ahead here on TC Live. We are talking Novak Djokovic. A deep dive on the Djokovic debacle down under. What it means for the player and the sport as a whole. Don't go anywhere. to back champ will not be able to go for four in a row after a court ruling to deport the world number one from Australia Novak Djokovic issued this statement I am extremely disappointed with the ruling to dismiss my application for judicial review of the decision to cancel my visa I am uncomfortable that the focus of the past weeks has been on me and I hope that we can all now focus on the game I would like to wish the players tournament officials staff volunteers and fans all the best for the tournament Let's go inside the press room to hear some other players' reaction.
8: Australians have gone through a lot, and uh, there's no secret about that. It's They've had it very tough, and they've done a lot of work to protect themselves and their borders. Um, we knew coming in, uh, as well as every other tennis player, that uh, if you wanted to come into the country, you had to be vaccinated so you know it was up to him his choices his judgment and you know here we are
6: I think it's taking long I think we all want to you know move on and for whatever it is just move on and focus on you know the cool aspect of starting a slam I yeah I think that all this could have been avoided um like we, <clears throat> like we've all done by getting vaccinated and doing all the things we had to do to come here in Australia, because everybody knew very clearly the the rules and and it was we just have to follow them and that's it.
7: Well, I,
5: I tell you one thing; it's it's very clear that Novak Djokovic is a, is a is one of the best players of the history uh, without a doubt. Uh, but there is no one player in history that's a, that's that's more important than. Than an event, you no, know, because the players uh, stays and then uh, goes, and then other players are coming, you no. Know? So uh, no one, even Roger, Novak, myself, uh, Bjorn Borg, who was amazing at his times, and uh, tennis uh, keep going, and uh, Australian Open is much more important than, than any player.
1: Some players also supporting Novak Djokovic. Alize Cornet tweeting, I know too little to judge the situation. What I know is that Novak is always the first one to stand for the players, but none of us stood for him. Be strong, Novak Djokovic. American John Isner also supporting, saying, Nole always has and always will be class. He's an absolute legend in my book that has brought so much good to millions around the world. This isn't right. All right, let's discuss this even further. you got some players on one side, some players on the other. Novak Djokovic no longer in Australia. He is out. How would you characterize Novak's approach to the last couple weeks, John?
3: Oh, man. Uh, Sloppy? Uh, Reckless? Careless? I mean, I just think that, look, there is plenty of blame to go around. I think this whole thing was really regrettable, but I just think there was such a misread of the situation. Here is a guy whose tennis... It's so organized, it's so balanced, there is such composure, and he just makes messes of situations. And it really started in the fall, where he sort of played this cat-and-mouse game with whether he would play. Then he gets this exemption and sort of gloats, hey, everyone, I got the exemption. By the time he lands already, there's this outrage. It just seemed like such a bad read of the room. And this is, unfortunately, this is a pattern with this guy.
2: It really is. And you said it started with that social media post, where... It was—it like it just seems that so many mistakes were made on his side. Even if you were asking for special treatment and wanted the exemption, you better be absolutely perfect on how you go about it. And then social media, then filling out the paperwork incorrectly and in getting in, all of that was just inexcusable. And you have players—Muguruza said it there so well. Like, we all knew the rules. We wanted to come play here. And there are some pe- there players that I guarantee you did not want to be vaccinated for whatever reason and said, you know what, I'm going to do it because I want to keep playing and I want to be able to travel the world. You can't just let certain players, one or two players in, because they didn't want to do it. And that's essentially what happened. It was a messy situation all the way around from Novak's side, from Novak's camp, from Tennis Australia for, a, I don't know how he got on the plane and then was right. not, and then taken away to a detention hotel. All of this was such a mess. It was such a shame. It's definitely going to impact him. Um, It's over. The tournament goes forward. But just couldn't believe all the mistakes, as John said, that were made.
4: Well, look, we know what the rules are when we're traveling internationally. We've been making sure that you have all the paperwork just right. And that's and which is there as spectators. Uh, Novak knew what the rules were. And he also he's been kind of cavalier about this whole COVID thing from the beginning. Uh, with the Adria tour, et cetera, not sure about getting vaccinated. Then he starts the player association when he wants to represent all the players. Well, all the players got vaccinated because that's the rule. And he knew what the rule was. And it was December 10th where you need to ask for the exemption. It was on the 16th that he asked for it when he tested positive. Again, it was just very, very sloppy. As you said, John, he normally is so methodical about his approach, but this was as sloppy as it gets. And at the end of the day, Novak, if he had just gotten vaccinated... None of this would Mm -hmm. this would be moot point, and the players are the ones that are taking the brunt of it. We're not talking tennis; we're talking this kind of political situation, and now the players have to talk about it in the press. Tsitsipas, at, at one conference, is, uh, no more questions about Djokovic. You can ask me about anything yeah. you want, but not that. <laughs> so everybody has to—and and you have to be careful what you say, because you could be like a pariah if you say the wrong thing. So it's been, it's been a mess. Maybe we'll bring—at the end of the day, the, something good will come of it for the asylum seekers, as well as uh, just people getting back vaccinated more than less. And maybe we'll bring more fans to the game. We'll see.
1: You bring up a good point in the fact that the deadline was December 10th. Mm. So the question is still out there. What would have happened if you didn't test positive on the 16th? What would you have done? And and only Novak can answer that question. That said, Tennis Australia did provide him with an opportunity to get an exemption. So the rule was was a little gray at that point. So you can't put all that on Novak Mm -hmm. either. That said, this deportation, Martina, comes with a three-year ban. So, he may be 37 years old by the time he's allowed back into the country. This is his best major. He's won nearly half of his majors yeah. at the Australian Open. How yeah. does this affect not only his legacy, but also the, the career major's record well, on the men's side? I think side? the
4: deportation happened because they gave him the visa. That wasn't his fault that he got it. So, that should not be just because— it wasn't good for this year doesn't mean that he should not be able to play next year. So I would be completely supporting him in being able to get into the country next year if he gets vaccinated. And he's got that same problem getting vaccinated coming into America, I mm-hmm. think. It could be the same issue. Well, that, isn't that the
2: question? Is the, is he going to let the, yeah. him, this situation, getting vaccinated, derail him from his dreams be of becoming but... the all-time Grand Slam champion on the men's side? I was so surprised that... This is happening because this was the most important thing for Novak and to get now in the States and okay, maybe he gets allowed to play Roland Garros or whatever. But every other country, if he is going to go after this the next few years, it's pretty clear what has to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. Can
3: we just like a step, step back here for a second? We we have been obsessing as, as a tennis community over this goat race for, what, a, a decade, yeah. 12 years now? Do you ever think it would be 2020 20, yep. 20, and one of the great variables is whether a player will be allowed into a country, whether a by his own choice, by his own volition? We'll I mean, figure. it's just it's a crazy plot twist in terms of Djokovic, in terms of really in, in terms of tennis history. One thing I'm a little bit hung up on is about. 2 months ago we all sat here we talked about Peng shui and we talked about tennis coming together and taking this this stance against authoritarian china the, the idea that in a matter of weeks this sport looks honestly so foolish in the world's eyes and all that goodwill sort of uh was, was squandered it. it's, it's 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 honestly it's it's a little painful sometimes do you, you think the sport looks foolish
2: Uh, Yeah, I think that it's been just a travesty what's happened the last few weeks and and what has happened to on all sides of Novak getting in there, Novak getting deported. As I said, the players last year then getting told they have to lock up for 15 days on the eve of a major like it has been a mess trying to play this Grand Slam in Australia these last couple of years,
3: uh, which is like Djokovic. This is a tournament known for being buttoned up and these last two years have just been
4: chaos. Happy Slam has not been so happy for many players. (laughs) I hope they figure it out. And they need to be by the book. You know, no. oh, well, maybe if you do this, we can swing it. Yeah, uh, it needs to be clear.
1: There's going to be a new men's champion for the first time since 2018 at the Australian Open. Much more TC Live after this. Welcome back. Less than 15 minutes away from first ball day one, the 2022 edition of the Australian Open. And we have some more off the court news to report. Hall of Famer Chris Everett publicly announced Friday that she has been diagnosed with stage one ovarian cancer. Martina,
4: boy, I knew about this for a while. And, uh, and needless to say, we're all pulling for Chrissy. She's a champion. And I think that champion's mentality will be very helpful. Keeping fingers crossed. The prognosis is very, very good, but it's still scary as heck. I know I've been through it 10 years ago, and uh, so we'll behind her. Chrissy gave me this was oh. years ago, and I'm not taking it off until everything's good. Oh.
1: That's beautiful.
2: Yeah, it's a great story. And go to her social media accounts to really read the entire story that, that Chrissy shares, because it's pretty eye opening and for a lot of people. Um, people and, and women, just the medical care and the, yeah. the treatment mm-hmm. that you need and getting checked and everything. And, and she could turn out to be, we all have our fingers crossed, very lucky in how it was discovered. Um, it's a wonderful story. We love Chrissy. She's been just a, an absolute amazing um, person in, in all of our lives. We all wish her the best. And uh, as Martina said, that she is a champion.
3: That was on ESPN's website, Chris McKendry, who we know as well, yeah. helped her with that messaging. And yeah, I mean, we, we obviously wish Chrissy the best, and this was, this was tough to read, but there's really a medical miracle here. Yeah. I mean, it's really remarkable how she caught this so early. I really would encourage people to go read that story on ESPN. Yeah, she
1: said she put it out there so that she could help others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and certainly we send all of our love, all of our strength, all of our positive energy to you, Chrissy. And uh, we know you're going to beat this just like you did just about everybody on the <laughs> tennis court. Uh, as we enter the social net right now Rafa Nadal actually posted a nice message to Chrissy as well wishing her all the best he's been getting ready for the Australian Open and Rafa is the only former champion on the men's side he also talked to some kids at the Aussie open and gave them an inspiring message take a listen
2: all good.
7: with Good start of the year yeah yeah
5: my advice is just go on court every day with the idea to be a better player. So with the concentration and with the with the passion to to improve uh, something in, in your game. Everybody have doubts, everybody have frustrations, and everybody is making mistakes. No, and uh, most important thing is about how you react. Keep
3: going. <laughs> so that's powerful words. Go to uh, tennischannel.com. We're all. Filled with recommendations, but he keeps going. One of the things he said is always listen. And this obviously has resonance this week. Surround yourself with people who will essentially call you on your garbage euphemistically. Uh, he really has a lot of wisdom. But he, that was only a snippet of it. And on our website, you can see the whole speech. I mean, this is a
1: guy who plays every point like it's his last point of his life.
4: You know, he's he's the ultimate perfection seeker, and he's just never satisfied. He's always thinking about how to be better, and that, that's the key. What are you going to do today to be the best tennis player you can be? What are you going to do today to be the best person you can be? In whatever field, whether it's personal or, you know, some some uh, craft that you want to do or study field, what are you going to do today to be better in that area? And uh, he he nails it
1: one of the most humble champions as well in sports history. And the fact that he says, yeah, everybody has doubts and he's spoken a lot about his own doubts.
2: Yeah. I mean, he does what is the hardest thing essentially in tennis and makes it look easy where he tries his hardest, no matter what the score is, no matter what he's going through, no matter how bad he's playing, no matter how big a point it is. And he had, it doesn't matter. You could turn on the score with Rafa and you have no idea if it's 30 all in the first game or if it's five all in the fifth. And, and that's what makes this sport so challenging for every other human that's ever tried to play it. Uh, but he's got such great perspective, how he leads his life, how he lives, how he treats the people around him. Uh, I mean, he is an absolute marvel.
1: I'm going to take John's advice. Go to our website and listen to the whole. Thing. I haven't heard the whole thing yet. So I want. I want to hear lucky that. Lucky kids. Love yeah. motivation. Yeah. Uh, how about this twenty-year-old Aussie Dane Sweeney, the mullet of the year? I don't know. <laughs> <D-Dane laughs> J.J. Wolf may have something to say, but I like that. That's really business in the front, party in the back, Dane. I think
3: it's a <laughs> no, that's a party wing. in the back court. You. Business <laughs> in the front.
1: That's, Is that a hair?
4: Uh, that's,
3: that's his hair, little. yeah. That's his legit hair. My goodness! What was the David Spade movie? The Joe big. Dirt. that's yes. uh, that that means right. That, that's a, that that's needs a good new look. name. That's
4: not a mullet. That's some whale mullet <laughs> or something. That's that's more than just a mullet. <laughs>
3: Kentucky's own, <Just> joking. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's,
7: he
4: he uh, that's actually, good.
1: his last IG <laughs> post is a photo of the back of his head with the caption, "Just notice it." <laughs>
2: oh my goodness! Right, How like, <laughs> how'd he do?
1: He lost second round of qualifiers. Okay, no, too bad.
4: We won't see it in the match. But his
1: hair won. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Norman's okay. going to the hair.
4: he's <laughs> like Samson, can cut it off, lose all his power. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Maria Sakkari, known for the best hair bun in the sport of tennis, all that hairspray oh, that she oh, puts in the there. Yeah. It's almost
2: like you knew it was coming.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's got Tatiana Maria. When we come back, we're going to break down that match and some other big first round matches. Sakri Bun in action. Back on TC Live, presented by GEICO.
3: It is time for John Wertheim's stat of the day. What do you got? I got a number of the day, 493. We know that Novak Djokovic won't Defend his title in Australia, but uh, no one will have beaten him, of course. Who was the last man to beat him in Australia? Look at this. Young Chung. You gave the was, answer away, though. Four <laughs> <years ago. laughs> this, this guy beat Novak Djokovic <laughs> at the tournament that he has won nine, nine times. times. Yep. And Amazing. he is now barely in the that. top what happened to him? 500. Injured. We have a injuries. of injuries. Yeah. But, you know, we uh, whether it's Del Potro or Andy Murray or Kokonakis, who I'm sure we'll talk about this week, there's hope for injured players, but uh, you beat Novak Djokovic in Australia, and, yeah. uh, boy, it's, it's been rough going for Young Chung since then.
1: I mean, since he made the semifinals that year at the Australian mm-hmm. Open, that's when the injury happened, and we, we haven't really heard much from yeah. Young Chung since then.
2: That was also when Novak was battling his elbow injury. Had a procedure or, what do they call it? intervention? Intervention, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surgery. surgery. Right, he had a surgery. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, yeah, that was those days where Novak was trying to play with a, a bad elbow.
7: Yeah.
1: All right, time for our hot shot. Of potentially the year, it's the hot shot of the day. How about Maxime Cressy against Dan Evans
3: in the backcourt? There no he comes.
4: Here we go. Oh, the in-betweener. Oh wow. yes.
3: That's big. That's offensive.
4: Look at that. That was
2: an offensive lob too. That was top spin bouncing <laughs> away from him. That wasn't a
4: floater either. He didn't wait for that one. Cool. He had to he had to haul, you know what, to just get there <laughs> and yeah. wailed at it and directed it beautifully. So this oh, a cool. guy
1: didn't get in the lineup during NCAAs as a freshman at UCLA. Now he's 71 in the world. Oh
4: my
3: god! that's the farthest back you will ever hit a winner too. <laughs> he's he's living the servant volley life.
1: Max Cressy. Uh, here is our order of play. Day one, Rod Laver Arena, starting with Maria Sakri. Then you've got Naomi Osaka, Rafael Nadal, Ash Barty, Alexander Zvere. Really doesn't get much better than that, right? Get yourself a ticket to Rod Laver.
3: Yeah, look at all these matches. And look at Barty playing Sarenko, who had to qualify. This was a top 20 player not all that long ago. That could be a deceptively tricky math before. Him. You're right. What a great session. All right,
1: let's start with Maria Sakri taking on Tatiana Maria. Uh, This is the place where Sakri made the round of 16 at a major for the very first time. Last year, Martina finally made the semifinals at Roland Garros at the U.S. Open. Does she take the next step?
4: Uh, She's capable of it. I mean, she had match point against Krejciko in that semifinal, could have won the final. Who knows? And then the the WTA finals also had some good matches there, and... uh, I think she's been improving her game nicely. Uh, uh, the surf c- can go off a little bit on her. She goes for too much. But I think she's learning how to control the power. Nice problem if you have too much power and she's starting to control it. And I think she can break through.
1: All right. Uh, Naomi Osaka has won 22 of her last 23 matches in Melbourne. But she's taken on somebody who had the best year of their life in Camila Osorio. She used to be Maria Camila Osorio Serrano. She dropped two of her
7: names. Now down to two. Uh,
2: I I think for Osaka, this is all about her and and how she plays. She loves that court, Rod Laver arena. It's pretty much enclosed, and the roof is also a little bit closed. So it does feel – it can feel a little bit more indoors. You get a nice sound in there. The courts are playing fast. How does she handle this moment? I think she's going to be okay to get through this first week. We keep talking about maybe a round of 16 with Ash Barty, but she's got the power. She's got the movement. I, I think that Osaka gets through this match and this first week pretty comfortably.
3: John, what do you think about Rafa taking on Marco Scurron? I think it's a nice first-round match for Rafa to sort of ease his way into the tournament. Already won a title this year. Didn't even have to change his hotel room. That was in Melbourne. He didn't have to beat a top 75 player to win that title. So this is a player who will make a hit some balls, but I don't think it's really going to pose much of a threat.
1: All right, we're going to have all the highlights for you right back here. 5 Eastern tomorrow. Two more hours of TC Live on the couch making its debut. TC Live, 5 p.m. Eastern. Encore coverage, 7 a.m. Eastern. Looking forward to all of that. For Martina, Lindsey, and John, I'm Steve. Thanks for joining us. TC Live at the Australian Open.